0: Yeah. All right, so I'm gonna uh, sub- and you know we might as well we might as well introduce ourselves. Yes. To these people because this is a different side of us. Yes. This will be a unique side of us <laughs> than from our other podcast. Yes, I think so. We are without <laughs> materials on this one, right? So this is good. This will Lived get the experience. real essence of who we are. Yes. Uh, tell everybody about yourself. While I get this ready for you. So this is High Phrase Presents
1: 90 on 90. Normally you hear me as a A L I T E elite in 1990 i was arif ali an 11 year old kid 11, Eleven years, years old this old. is so
0: tell everybody though why we're starting at night uh, what, what we're doing here with this program well i think it's very start.
1: appropriate being two people that have had uh, very uh, unique lived experiences in mm-hmm. the 90s being in the year 2021 now probably the most important decade that we've lived because it set the stage for what happened in the years 2000 and beyond And this podcast is centralized around everything to do with the 90s it's true sports politics news events fashion what was happening in the 90s what we were doing in the 90s in our lived experience Mm. in the decade called the 90s Mm -hmm. so i was 11 years old man 11 when the 90s jumped off yeah i was young and uh, i was very underexposed to the world around me because i was just coming out of a very um regimented religious household Mm. and uh it was a very unique experience compared to where I am and who I am now. Looking back at that kid, I, I, I don't think I would recognize that person. Yeah. And I think if, if we met around that time, I don't think we'd get along.
0: Uh, maybe. I, le- oh, I would have been 15, yeah. so you would have been 11. Yeah. Pro- probably wouldn't have hung out or anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like no, s- no. fat chance you know, <laughs> of that happening. Uh, even 20 and 15 probably wouldn't have no, happened. So no. you know, it took us th- getting this long for us to actually... So you were living in Victoria out. at this time? My name is Mike Olton, and yes, I'm from <laughs> Victoria. Uh, it, uh, I grew up, I was, uh, I was a 15 year old kid in 1990. Wow! And you know, I should say that we're starting this off at 1990 right now. Mm-hmm. And that every week it's going to be a different year of the decade. Yes. And we're going to explore parts of that decade. Yes. That people might have forgotten about and things that they didn't know about. Uh, and, and also show how relevant it is to our lives today. Absolutely. Because as the men of the world today at 40 years old, we (laughs) have an extra special uh, little folder of knowledge in our head. And that was that we got to experience the 90s at its fullest and its best. We weren't too old. We weren't too young. We were coming of age.
1: Right in that Right in that
0: middle, in that sweet spot of the 90s, man. So (laughs) we really have a lot that we could say. We enjoyed the fruits of all the 90s, right? Um, Yeah, I was 15 years old, and I'd been to, you know... Uh, I've been through a lot at that point <laughs> in my life, you know, and, uh, man, it's, you know, one thing I do remember about the nineties is, and this is kind of a crazy way to start this all off, but mm. people will understand this is how we are. Right. Uh, nineties was, I think th- as good as it was, it was also the most, uh, challenging respect wise in the world. Mm. People did not respect people a lot back then. And what I mean by that is that, you know. There was a lot of uh, chauvinism, a lot of racism, a lot of, you know. Open. It was open. Yeah. And it was, there was no si- end in sight. Even women at that point really weren't, were getting a really crappy shake.
1: If you got in your life. feelings, you were, you were considered a bitch.
0: Yeah. Yeah right? Like men didn't talk to men like they do today. Nah, nah. It was a very standoffishy hard time. And there was lines drawn in the sand all through the 90s mm-hmm. with all cultures and races and mm-hmm. people, you know, everybody, you know, had their side. And you your mission in the 90s was to grab as many people on your side as you can. It wasn't inclusion
1: yeah. back then. No, definitely not.
0: So being a young kid, being being 11, being 15, we were exposed to a lot of uh, practices and behaviors that dude just wouldn't, wouldn't make it. now. Well, I can tell you
1: uh, that's around the time I have an older brother who's three years older than me. So he was 14 and his experiences were very different from mine. So when I, I remember being exposed to a lot of music and things that 11 year old should not be exposed to. Mm -hmm. And one of the first movies I remember seeing that stood out to me when, and then in 1990 was Scarface. That's when I was introduced to it. Yeah. So as an 11 year old seeing Tony Montana, the whole story immigrant coming in, going, taking over the world was so impactful. It was yeah. massive. Yeah. And one monumental moment in my life, I remember the same year, there was these brothers that lived in East, cause I grew up in Southeast Vancouver. And uh, there were these two brothers that were 17, 16, 17. Hmm. And uh, that summer, the summer of 1990, they both pull out new Corvettes. One red, one black. And they live in a modest, you know, middle-class home. Parents worked. But these two kids all of a sudden have Corvettes. Oh, wow. And Corvettes are fucking expensive. Oh, yeah. So I remember being an 11-year-old kid and seeing these two driving. And they both have a car each, and they both drove them separately. Let's not drive together. Yeah. So whenever one of them drove throughout the block, you'd see the other. There was a red one and a white one. Yeah. Red one drove past. White one drove past. I remember thinking as an 11-year-old, there's no way a 17-year-old should have that car. Yeah. And I was able to put two and two together pretty quick. But like, okay, that's the way to go.
0: That's the you hustler know, way. That's the
1: way. To, you, you want things? Yeah. You want things to happen immediately? That's the way you got to go. And that kind of set the tone for the rest of my teenage years.
0: Yeah, because the 90s was really about that too. It became yeah. like super easy to get and do things. Yeah. All of a sudden in our lives. No cameras. Right? There was no <laughs> cameras. Like yeah. it was a really, uh, the time, you know. When you were a bad kid growing up in those days, which most kids were in mm-hmm. the 90s, mm-hmm. like, let's face it, like, there were some kids that didn't, but because of the culture changing so much in yep. the 90s, it created a lot of, and I don't like to say bad kids, I just like to say, you know, misunderstood youths. Yeah, well, I think it's inevitable, man, like, you know, kids
1: will get away with the shit that they can get away with based on the time that they're in, right? Yeah. You can't really get away with much now because cameras are everywhere. Yeah. Now, if you're doing shit, you want to get caught. You're just an idiot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, so here on the uh, '90s, and just so you guys know, we are always exploring new creative uh, entries from people, titles yes. and names and segment ideas. Everything mm-hmm. that you can do, you can think about in the '90s. You know, write in, uh, hit us up on social media. Uh, it's a it i t s underscore a l i t e yes, or you can go to A C D J Vancouver. Uh, on any of the social media stuff, and send us some messages. Tell us what you want us to research about the '90s.
1: You can also hit us up on our uh, High Phrase Podcast Insta. It's just yes. at High Phrase Podcast. So you can find us.
0: Yes, yes, we're all, we're all over the place. Yes, but not but. But, in, but grounded in, in one spot. In a way. In a very, very focused way. Yeah. Uh, so that's why we, on every single uh, episode of this 90s show, we're going to go through four topics, four different topics. Uh, what will happen is at the end of the show, we're going to draw ping pong balls and decide what year is coming up next. I like that. Story. Yes. Only problem is today, I forgot the ping pong balls, <laughs> which is a great start for our 90s show.
1: That's great. So what, what we can do, we'll just write it on a piece of paper and just toss it up in well, the air. We'll,
0: we'll both write a year. And then we'll take the medium year in between that year, whatever that it works. is. That works. Right? So that if works. you'd pick 92, i pick 94, or 93 is the year. Right. right? I like that. Uh, so on this one, we're going to explore the year of 1990 because 1990 was the breakthrough year. Uh, and if you weren't alive then, I remember 1989. And I remember how one thing I remember about 1989 the most is the clothing. And how crappy and how people (laughs) were still wearing corduroy pants and rugby pants. But 90s were promising to bring us in something big. Because in 1990, that was the year rap became known. Yeah, kind of kicked down mainstream doors. Kicked it right down in 1990 with Who Was The Big Hit.
1: Oh, man. I, I hate using this <laughs> the barometer, but you're talking about Hammer, right? Yeah, Hammer. MC man. Hammer.
0: Hammer yeah. brought it home really back uh, if you think about 1990s, right? You can't really hate, though.
1: In the moment, it's a great song. Yeah. You know, you got that super freak sample from Rick James. Yeah. Going further back into the 80s now. Yeah. yeah. But it's a great song, man.
0: And we'll touch on that. But one of the biggest things about 1990s uh, that we're going to start off with tonight, I'm excited to hear what, when you thought it was sports. Ooh, yes. Now, this is a big, passionate uh thing between both of us we're both so sportsy guys yeah. who was your 90s sports team who was the team you were following in the 90s uh houston rockets akim olajuwon and that dream team akim olajuwon and oh, that dream nice. team that was my
1: team oh, and in nice. hockey it was lemieux and the penguins of course yeah
0: yeah they were amazing so i'd have to say uh in the 90s i was a Shaq fan yeah okay and I, well i was more of a penny hardaway fan right. but i actually really liked Shaq too back then when uh, before he was a police officer <laughs> and uh and so i used to have uh, all penny hardaway shoes and that so i was a it's magic expensive fan. yo they were expensive back yeah. then remember they were two hundred dollar shoes the in the phone 90s pockets? oh yeah.
1: my god i mean they're still popping people yeah. still want to buy them. those
0: blue ones that looked like the shell or whatever those are yeah. I, I i so here's a funny story i went and bought those and then uh that night i went to the ymca to play basketball oh, in my new penny hardaway <laughs> shoes nice. now mind you i'm a uh what am i 90 so i'm 16 probably at that time 200 you know 15 pounds probably wow, rolling huge. around i was a big i had a growth spurt in yeah. like 1990 mm-hmm. 100 pounds i grew and um first cut i did in that shoe blew the tire uh, <laughs> ripped oh, no. it to shreds cool because penny Hardaway's a little thinner uh, thinner right geez. so i took him back and i got three pairs of shoes equal to the pair of shoes it was Makes Such sense. Easy times. Uh, but sports was very big in my life in the 1990s. From the beginning, you were into sports? Always. Playing sports? Always. G- right. Grew up in a family and made you play sports. Mm. Right? And grew up, you know, in on Vancouver Island where there was nothing to do but play God, sports. That's good outlet. Right? Yeah. What were you playing back then? Honestly, yeah. I was
1: humiliated into, into playing sports. I sucked at everything.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: 11, 12, 13, probably till i was like 14 ish mm-hmm. i sucked at all sports oh, wow. so I, I got dominated i was always picked last mm. yeah i never got to play when all the you know good players were playing yeah, yeah. so i was a spectator for a lot of years and oh, then wow. um when i hit 15 i was like fuck this I gotta yeah. get good at this shit and just spent an entire year working on my basketball game before oh I so there. you're just shooting hoops by myself that's how you do it yeah dribbling shooting dribbling Put shooting stop and that's it and then i came when i was 16 and from there, made all the teams and, and started to kick ass. Putting in work.
0: I yeah. remember going to the park playing basketball back then. Mm-hmm. And my, once we get Jesse on, uh, he'll be able to uh, to attest to this. But <laughs> yeah. I was a guy you didn't want to play basketball against.
1: What was your go to?
0: I did a little move called the Chicago Bull. <laughs> right, okay. the, the Chicago Bull running right down the middle of the lane, Boom. moving everybody out of the way, oh, and yeah. missing a layup. Yeah. <laughs> right going to dunk it and not even getting close Yeah, you were the guy
1: nobody wanted to play against
0: i i did the no look passes to my teammates that weren't ready for no look passes <laughs> they weren't ready for my my skills back then i okay. realized i was a little bit maybe ahead of the curve advanced a little advanced yeah, yeah. i we uh, jesse will tell stories uh about the basketball stuff and he was he was an amazing basketball player but yeah i was the same as basketball so basketball was my my thing man i i loved it back then and i drug up uh a little jaunt down memory lane for you. Okay. So I know you're a basketball uh, fan.
1: Yes, definitely. Uh, fanito. O- obsessive a little bit.
0: We're going to go back to uh, beautiful year 1990, November 2nd, 1990. Hmm. And this game stays, is still in the record books as being uh, one of the greatest games ever played okay. in a basketball game. It is a game that had the most scoring, scoring ever in Christ. a game with no history and it still stays to this day. What's funny about these uh this game it was the uh, Golden State uh, Warriors versus the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And Golden State ended up winning that game 162 to 158.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: 162 to 158 Ho- highest game in history still uh no overtime. God damn. Uh and what's really unique about this is um is this was Denver and Golden State. Mm. But Denver that year was the worst, had to be yeah. one of the worst teams ever, they man. Trash. They got scored an average of 120 <laughs> points every game yeah, they were trash. on them. They had nobody. This was the Denver Nuggets team in 1990. Mm-hmm. And let me see if you know any of these guys <laughs> Michael Adams. Nope. TR Dunn. Nope. Todd Leachie, <laughs> Nope. Orlando Woodri- yes, Woolridge. Yes. Now, Orlando had some game. He had game. Yeah. Orlando was no joke.
1: Yeah, he was, he was almost 20 points per game his whole career, pretty much.
0: And I think Orlando yeah. has the record for the most points scored hmm. without missing a shot.
1: Oh, wow. Okay.
0: Right, in a game. Goal percentage and I high. think it's something like 36 points God. he scored before he God. missed a shot. Insane. Right? Which is amazing. I I just I don't. I think that record still stands. Wow. I could be... But how about some of these other players on this team? Maybe you might want to know one of these guys, Marcus Liberty. Nope. How about Anthony Cook?
1: Okay, yeah, that name. Oh, you do? You that remember Anthony familiar. Cook? Yeah, yeah, that name he scored familiar. one
0: point in that game. Yikes! Uh, here's a name, and and this is where I'm going through all these: Walter Davis, no. Joe Wolf, Jerome Lane, no. Corey Gaines. All played, all scored points, <laughs> but one man <laughs> did not play that game. Okay. And that's probably the reason why the Denver Nuggets are cursed and will never win anything because they did this man wrong. Sitting on the bench at the end was a gentleman, uh, I believe, was picked. Uh, I don't even really know how he was picked. Oh, he, was un- he came in the draft undrafted oh. in 1988. Wow. Let me see if you can guess who he is. He played on the – he point guarded okay. the uh, NBA champion San Antonio Spurs in the, in the early 90s. Him out, David uh, Robinson's last year He wins a title uh, with Avery Johnson Avery Johnson Ding 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 Wow Drum pad Drum pad <laughs> We'll have that set Wait, up so next he time. was
1: Zero minutes Zero minutes Weird He must have been a really young player then
0: He was drafted in 1988 So this oh, was 1990 So he's, so so he's, he's, he's at this Yeah time. he's He's riding the pine uh, oh, okay. Behind um, Who did he get Oh no he did Oh he did play But he had one field goal oh. And then he sat so and he now he's a
1: coach them. in the NBA. He's, he's coach,
0: champ, teams, yeah. right? He yeah. came, went on the team, but he had to lose <laughs> before he got better. Obviously, right? <laughs> that was a crazy game, man.
1: Yeah. Well, see, that Warriors team is, was always one of my favorite teams, but they were never going to win anything. Yeah, if they were in this era of the NBA, yeah. they'd be champs. They
0: were a high-scoring team back then, and they had three of the best, shoot- two of
1: the best shooters in the planet: so, Mitch Richmond, Chris Mullin. Yeah, and and. Uh, Tim Hardaway was
0: a point. TMC. Yeah, but Tim, I mean, TMC? Tim Hardaway
1: wasn't a great shooter. But no. Chris Mullen and Mitch Richmond.
0: People don't realize this. Like now we have a lot of white guys who are shooting balls yes. in the NBA. Yes. They don't understand the power or how intense Chris Mullen was back in that and day. And a lefty too. And a lefty. Yeah. And a guy that was playing in a league that really was about... Black American players, mm-hmm. like it was that was it. There's oh, no Europeans. Sure. No. So a white guy came onto that court, and they were just kind of like with a buzz cut, shoot threes, bro, <laughs> yeah. shoot threes right? with a buzz
1: cut, no flavor. Yeah, but man, his game was stacked.
0: So here was the Golden State Warriors in that blowout game, 168 points. Chris Mullen. yeah, Tim Hardaway, Jeez, killer crossover, Mitch Richmond, hmm. Alton Lister, mm-hmm. who is I Big think this, I think he was the forward uh, power yeah. forward yeah, yeah and tommy tolbert Jeez. you remember tom tolbert nobody's yeah tom tolbert he was a, i think he's an analyst now yeah uh on the bench they had kevin pritchard rod hitting Seronas saronis Mar- <laughs> marcelonius oh yeah okay yeah tyrone hill and steve johnson huh. uh tim Tol- tom tolbert was uh one of the leading scorers that night i think he had some like uh many points did he have? He had 29 points. He was one of the one of the leaders that night. Here's players drafted after Tom Tolbert in the uh, 1988 draft. Okay? Oh, yes, I'm going to see same. if you can guess. All right. So these are p- players who went on to have pretty amazing careers that were, were skipped over because someone thought picking Tom <laughs> Tolbert would have been a better a better plan. <laughs> okay. Uh, this gentleman hit a, a winning, game-winning three-pointer to help the Chicago Bulls uh, win their third championship of their first three-peat. Uh, John Paxson? Uh, that was that was the first game. I'm talking about the th- uh, the uh, the, th- the second three-peat, sorry. Second three-peat then first Then it would game. have been Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, right. that's right. He was picked 50th. Wow. Uh, this next gentleman played on the New York Knicks. who was a formidable <laughs> opponent in the down and the low. He uh, was a fouling machine, played on the likes of teams with... Um, uh uh in the early knicks in the early 90s just think about that he uh went to uh eventually i think he went to charlotte hornets eventually oh larry johnson no not larry johnson he started with charlotte he started with Charlotte. yeah um this guy has a real uh american uh new york name tony you could call him tony i guess hmm uh the uh can we just tell it to you? He was picked fifty third overall. I, I don't know any stats for him. All I know is he was a mean bastard, <laughs> Anthony Mason. <laughs> right, picked fifty third that year. Uh, Avery Johnson, we mentioned, went undrafted, and our other boy is a New York point guard, one of the best they've had. Uh, had some real never won because of Michael. So was John Starks. John Starks, okay. yeah, I went undrafted that so year as well.
1: You know, it's interesting. Me and my, I just made my son rewatch. Uh, 30 for 30 with Reggie Miller. Mm. Have you ever seen this? Yeah, it's amazing. We talk about going at the Knicks. Yeah, John Starks is a volatile maniac.
0: Wow, oh, he was just on the wrong team.
1: And he just had no... no. He couldn't control himself. Yeah. Reggie just got up in his yeah. ass and yeah. just destroyed him.
0: He. It's because they... I think the NBA, the number one problem they have is they... They don't have real leaders. Like, they put these guys in upper positions, mm-hmm. but they're not leaders. Yeah. And so, you know, you see greats who go in to the NBA and it takes them a long time to become a leader yeah. but some of them like they put them in like, like uh, Giannis mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. I don't really believe he's a leader not that guy He's not the team that you, like, let's go, guy. Like, yep. And they're putting him in that spot. It's well, he's a, he's a super win.
1: talent, but he needs, he needs somebody that can, that can do more than him. Mm-hmm. If, he had a, if he had a James Harden or, like, a, you know, a KD or LeBron James, then Giannis would, would be great. Yeah. But right now, he's just a one-man machine. But yeah. that team is interesting. That Warriors team mm. is interesting because, you know, now Tim Hardaway's kid, Tim Hardaway Jr., plays in the NBA.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He's a really good player. You really know, good. Off the bench, kind of. Scoring machine yeah, yeah. But this Warriors team I I, I Always obsessed over Because man I just used to Watch these guys Shoot the lights out Unguardable on offense Huge holes on defense And it completely mirrors uh, So many of the teams That are In the NBA Right now Oh totally They set the tone That Warriors team Set the tone For what the small ball Three point era Basketball is And in this game There's only like Nine three point shots taken the whole game
0: Something like that Yeah it was really low Unbelievable It was really low
1: so you're, you're basically saying these are some of the best shooters in the world, and they're playing the entire game within, within the three point line. Yeah.
0: Didn't Chris, or didn't, what's his name? Uh, the Michigan guy threw the ball in. Weber? Part of the big three. Chris Weber, didn't yeah. he go to this team the next season?
1: He went to the team the next season, but what, I think Mitch ended up going to Sacramento or something, something like, like that, that. was a trade-off, yeah. right? Yeah, and this was young, angry
0: Chris Webber. Yeah. He was a beast. Yeah, he was a beast. Yeah. And this was like, I remember, I think Mitch Richmond went to L.A. I think there was a three-way trade or something. It was Richmond went to L.A. or something. Because I was just like, yeah, Mitch was the three-point master. Even this when you played player. NBA Live on TV, <laughs> you had Mitch Richmond. You oh, were scoring true, three-pointers. Yeah. I always had Mitch Richmond Chris Ma like all those guys they were all amazing right uh it's just it's just Golden State just for some reason just you know uh, yeah they have their championships and all this but for some reason they've always had great players yeah they've just never known what to do with them well i remember when they had that, that baron davis squad baron with, uh, Davis, man. And steven jackson mad boy. Oh, they had that geez. crazy and the dunker team. who was that dunker guy that uh, jason richardson jason richardson Rob one of the Stone best game. ever even in phoenix he was great but yeah, yeah that
1: that warriors team was dope they you know up a couple of upsets in the playoffs yeah but uh, it took Steph
0: yeah, took Steph Curry. Yeah, yeah, it's probably he's probably going to be the best of them all. Tom I think Curry, so. I except think so. Tom Tolbert, monster. <laughs> uh, just a couple other records that happened in 1990, uh, and funny enough, these all have to do with the Denver Nuggets. The mm. records that are still standing, and this is cool. I think we find records that are still standing for the Weird year, and we go over them right because yeah. these are records that haven't been beaten in 31 years. Jeez. Number one, most assists in a game. Hmm. Who do you think has it? It's a 30 Nugget. assists in the game. Against, it came on uh, December 30th, 1990, against the Denver Nuggets. It was the Orlando Magic, their leading point guard. So it's got to be Penny. No. Nope. Penny was a small forward.
1: So, so you're saying someone got 30 assists? 30
0: assists in one game against the Denver Nuggets in 1990. I can't see Orlando White, Magic. white guy. Jeez. Oh, man. Guys were wearing his jersey everywhere. When they had the the Orlando Magic jersey of this guy was coveted by every Caucasian everywhere, man. No, Caucasian not about, basketball not about players. White chocolate, are we? No, white chalk Jason Williams. No. No. Here's Jeez. the initials. You'll get it when I give you the initials. SS Scott Skiles. Scott okay. Skiles, oh, still I'm to this so day.
1: they didn't know that.
0: Yeah, but because we're this is why we're doing a '90s podcast, <laughs> right? So we can remember this shit,
1: right? I had a great poster of Michael Jordan posterizing Scott. Posterizing Skiles.
0: Scott Skiles, remember? And he's like. <laughs> Right, <laughs> 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 right. Scott Scars, man, 30 still has assists. it. Thirty-six. You think oh, that shit. one would be toasted by now, LeBron? Going to touch that or? Yeah,
1: that's tough. I mean, Westbrook maybe. Westbrook, maybe Harden, but wow,
0: man. All right, here's another record: most points in regulation against came against the lowly Denver Nuggets oh. on November 10th. Brutal. Eight days after they allowed the most scoring game in history. <laughs> Eight days later, November 10th, 1990, they allowed, there's a couple records here, 173 God. points by this one team. Damn. This is in regulation. Oh, there was 107 yes. points scored at the half. This is a non-three-point shooting league. Yeah. The I'm, most, it also hold, this game also <laughs> holds the record for the most assists in a half, which is 33. That's an execution. And it was by a team in 1990 who had, oh, God. Was Chuck on the team at that point? No, Chuck. When did Chuck go? He leave. To go to Phoenix. Yeah,
1: I think he went in ninety two. Ninety two.
0: So this was year just a couple years before. So they had Kenny, probably the Jack. I can't remember. They have Kenny. The no, they had. This, uh, this, are you talking about the Sixers? Phoenix Suns? Phoenix Suns. Oh, Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns lit up Denver Nuggets on November tenth for one hundred seventy three
1: points. So this would have been Kevin Johnson. Kevin
0: John. Kevin Johnson. Yes, that's
1: right. Who is on this team? Tom Gugliotta?
0: Tom Gugliotta? Well, let's look this up. This this is,
1: okay, so 1990 Phoenix I Suns. Up. I don't think Charles okay, Barkley was there yet because he won his MVP Phoenix Suns. 92 against Phoenix. So who is on this team? Dan Marley, maybe? No, that wouldn't make sense. I think Kevin Johnson would have been the guard at the time, but to score 173 points, Phoenix didn't really have any of the stars. Yeah, it's
0: a tough one. I'm just looking it up here. Let me see who's on wow. there. Uh, let's see here.
1: All right, so. It's going to be one of those weird rosters. No one ever thinks can score this many points. All right, so here
0: we go. This is the 1990-91 uh, Phoenix Suns team, who was the highest scoring team at that year. They they had uh, shooting guard Kenny Battle. What they had Joe Barry Carroll. They had oh a guy who ended up uh, becoming a little bit of a celebrity after it's Cedric Sabalas.
1: Right, he had a rap album. Remember
0: Tom Chambers? Yeah, um, Tom Jeff Chambers. Hornacek. Wow, was on the team. Uh, Eddie Johnson, Kevin Johnson, Andrew Lang, Dan Marley. Xavier McDonald, the X Men. Okay, I remember him. when you had the X man you had a pretty good team. Yeah, he was a beast. He was an uh, angry guy. And that's about Kurt Rambis, Mark West, Tim Perry, Ed okay. Neely. Okay, so I got so a few they of just those. had a bunch of like working work workhorses.
1: 173.
0: 173 points. points. 107 at the half.
1: I, I don't think I, I, that record will be
0: duplicated. Never. No. Still stands. Yeah. That, that's just impossible. I, I don't know if you can. You'd have to have three players hitting 10 threes. Like, I mean, so there's so much.
1: how much did Denver score in that game? They must have scored low. It must have been maybe just below 100 then because just that one score alone is close enough to <laughs> yeah. over half of the record points.
0: Let's see. Um, yeah, I don't know what they scored on that game. That's a good call. I didn't look that one up. It must have been low. Right. But
1: jeez, what a trash team! I think they only won twenty games the entire season.
0: Oh yeah, it was really bad. They, they were had like those really, ugly really ass
1: bad. rainbow jerseys that nobody wanted to wear. Oh yeah, it was horrible. Yeah, I think they didn't get taken seriously until uh, Abdul Rauf showed up a few years later. Abdul oh maybe. Came in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Dikembe Mutombo and,
0: and they all became obscure players in the NBA. Went it's to the mountains. Because
1: Abdul Rauf was the first Colin Kaepernick of the NBA.
0: Yeah, he got a rough ride. It's eh? an
1: intense story, man. Yeah. That's
0: something, some, something we should really touch on, too, is well, we individual there. players and, their and what you know, things that happened before Colin Kaepernick. For sure. Because for sure. people don't realize, like, we're going to totally get into this in politics and everything else, right? but Civil rights and sports. Yeah. Go ahead and was in huge hand. in the hand 90s, hand. man. Yeah. It was huge in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, last record mm-hmm. here from 1990. Most road losses uh, was 40. By the Sacramento Kings in the 1990-1991 season, a record that still wow. <laughs> holds up to this oh, day. Oh yeah,
1: they were an atrocious team as well. Yeah, they were really
0: bad. Bottom of the barrel. I really don't even remember who they had. Yeah, I don't think they had anybody worthwhile. No, <laughs> not, right. <laughs> so they're holding on to a record. I hope they fuck it. Do you, what's your ma- um, greatest memory from 90s? From 1990? Do you have any? For for just for sports or yeah, just sports. Anything?
1: Nothing that is uh, too specific in particular, but. Um, I know we were talking about this before. The it was a different league at the time, mm-hmm. and fistfights were commonplace. Huge. I remember Kareem Abdul-Jabbar punching someone, and uh, hit somebody. Yeah. It was like a normal thing. Yeah. And this year is synonymous with violence as well in the NBA. Yeah. The most 30 years f- later, Find f- game.
0: Mm. Oh yeah, that's right.
1: Ever in the history of the NBA. Yes, but when you think about the personalities, it kind of makes sense.
0: Those are toughies. Yeah. Okay, so who is, who's in the me- – what melee are you talking about? The
1: 76ers against the oh, the, uh, si- yeah. the Pistons. Yeah, Pistons. Was, yeah. yeah, Charles Barkley was a hothead. Yeah. You know, you had Rick Mahorn was a hothead. Oh, and, Charles was on that team? Yeah, yeah. Oh, crazy. Yeah, I think Charles Barkley threw one of the first punches.
0: I would not doubt
1: that. <laughs> yeah, he's a maniac. Yeah. I mean, you know, up until at the time he retired in the last season in the league and he played on Houston, him and Shaq ha- had a fight. Yeah, that's right. Charles whipped the ball off his head and then oh, they yeah. went <laughs> at it. It's <laughs> a maniac. Oh, it's And great. People don't realize he's only six foot four. Charles Barkley was a small guy. Yeah, he wasn't big. He's just thick. Six foot four, and he led the league in rebounds. Wow. He's a beast, man. Well, they then. called him the round man to rebound, right? Oh, yeah. He set the tone for players like Draymond Green to have a career. Yeah. There's no Draymond Green without a Charles Barkley. That's true, eh? Because if you've never seen Barkley play, Look up some highlights. He never shuts up. No, Constantly yeah. going at the refs, going at other players, talk, talk, talk. Mm. He was a great player, too. But same with Draymond. He never shuts up. Yeah. The rules kind of have to... The line that the referees give Charles Barkley and Draymond Green are different than everybody mm. else. Because they never shut up.
0: Yeah. They get, he, he's, they get more rope. Charles is definitely... Even when you watch him today on TNT, he's mm. like... You could tell he's just like that feisty guy. Never really had to watch himself. You know yeah, what I mean? He's, fuck. Fuck, he's made a great career out of his personality. Dude, he poured a cup of water over a fan's head. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Threw another <laughs> fan through a plate glass window. Yeah. Charles didn't give a fuck.
0: No, man. he didn't. Nah, he he had so much money. Yeah. He just covered it up. He had Cover it covered up. Yeah. We'll always talk on sports. Sports is always a big thing for us. right? right. All right. I'm going to send you this next one. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go to '90s music, wow. 1990, buddy. Jeez. All right, transformational. What do, you, what do you? What do you? Because you were 11 yeah. at this point, yeah. so you had to be interacting with hip hop at this point.
1: Okay, so it the only glimpses of hip hop we got in BC mm-hmm. were the things that made the radio, like MC Hammer. Things that make you go hmm. Not even. Not uh, even. That was '93. Were, so Master T on Much Music. Master T, gig. yes. He was a game changer because he brought the kind of hip-hop that younger people needed to hear. Yeah. He was bringing like Brand Nubian and like Arrested Development, all these kind of conscious hip-hop groups yeah. to kind of battle some of the street hip-hop that was mm. like over the top, like NWA Rhapsody. was popping. Yeah, so you kind of had this balance that Master T brought, to Canadians at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but my first real like wow exposure to hip-hop was um, I, had a home, I had a family member visiting from New Zealand. And um, he had LL Cool J's cassette with him, and he played "I Need Love for Me" for the first time. I and need love. Yeah, that was my first. Like, I can only listen to hip hop after this experience. Mm-hmm. But the '90s for music was like, you know,
0: everyone says it was a golden era of hip hop. Feels like it. Yeah. It feels like the beginning era, right? Are you on? Yeah. No. It's just. It was just kind of. Oh, you're like you're beeping way. out. Try to change. Use those batteries right there. I need to change out. Um. It was a very interesting time in music because here we are getting out of the 80s, which the 80s ended in a very rocky way. And I say rocky because rock music was king at that era of life, right? So we were in a generation of long hairs and fucking disgraciados and men dressing up as women. For all of my trans fans out there, uh, the rockers were doing it way before uh, glam, rock. glam rock was like crazy, man. It was, I remember, and this is crazy to th- even think about this. And, you know, kids won't realize this. They'll think that they're, you know, setting a new bar and allowing people to be themselves. Dude, the late 80s, there were men literally walking around dressed as rock goddesses, like high heel boots, foam makeup, uh, foam makeup, hair teased right like teased out or permed hair and it was just like dude everybody was like oh wow you either wanted to beat them up or you wanted to be them that's how it was what side of coin were you on i was uh trying to be a rocker okay so here's the thing at age 15 i really really truly believed i was going to be a rock star wow i I believed i was going to be a rock star i believed i had long hair (laughs) i uh was like dressing tight ripped jeans like i had a band so when did,
1: but when did you learn you could sing, though? So singing has always been yeah, a part of your Yeah, singing
0: was my thing, yeah. Uh, just always kind of like rock. Wah. I used to sing uh, I used to sing Motley Crue, Guns ah, N' Roses, okay. Skid Row. I used to sing all those songs, right? And I knew that I could sing when I sang to this girl. I sang I Remember You by Skid Row. And I was like, yeah, she's like, that was so good. <laughs> I got some action. Didn't last long. I was 15, right? And then... Monumental. Yes, and it was monumental, but... Uh, nwa changed it all Mm -hmm. in 1990 yes changed it all man oh yeah and i was 15 and i remember i well first of all i cut my hair for a girl for love Uh, i didn't cut it for anything i cut my hair for a girl (laughs) and then she dumped me the same day wow yeah it was it was heartbreaker Jeez. right but you know i was like you man MC Hammer, yeah. you know, uh, you know all the mainstream stuff that was coming. Ice Ice Baby, oh, I ugh. believe, was in 1990. It's gross, right? Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Uh, the Turtles' turtle rap, right? Ninja Turtles, right? I think that was 1990. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That would say so,
0: right? Uh, what's his name? Cr- uh, not criminal. Uh, the guy who who did the rap.
1: Oh, oh, the guy who did prodigy the or did
0: criminal rap? or. He did the turtle rap. Oh, that's a this toughie. That's a toughie. We're going to have to set up Alexa <laughs> for this podcast. We're going to have to yeah. make sure Alexa's on. Keep our trivia in Right? But, yeah, man, that was, it was different. I, my, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send it back to you on this because I want your, me- your music memory for 1990. I'm going to give you a little <laughs> reminder here. Yes. Uh, 1990 was probably one of the biggest years in music for Scandal. Yes. Nineteen ninety. If you go back, your mommy and daddy go talk to your mommy and daddy, and they'll tell you about this. Uh, there was a little band called Millie Vanilli. Ooh yeah. Who set the bar? Like, let's face it. Everybody freaking lip syncs. Mm-hmm. Millie Vanilli was the first one to say, "Hey, this is the business, true business," and it expo- and it was exposed that people don't sing their own songs. Okay, you
1: know? so I think these guys are a little, a little bit different because they didn't provide any of the vocals
0: not a single they
1: one they were literally just puppets mm-hmm. now when you look at today's era of singers whether it's you know whoever be, pop music period mm-hmm. they all provide the base vocal layer mm-hmm. and then they go through the digiti- digitization process Auto-tuning and get and sound beautiful and put on mm-hmm. records but uh millie did nothing. nothing there were just these great looking guys that were ripped and had a pretty unique fashion Could sense. Kick really high. And yeah. And had mad, like, you know, braids down to the butt. They yeah. were like, um, they were like all like the nineties sexual fantasy for women.
0: Yes, they were. Right? They were well, very unique. And without and here's the most amazing part about them. They never trained legs once. <laughs> Not once. That there was natural leg strength. But they had ability. some
1: chiseled ass cheekbones. Yes. Yeah. And abs. And apex. That's all all, you all the time. It's all
0: you fucking need. And the, the
1: best part for me was the, the fact that they were outed while performing live. Yeah. on MT- was It was
0: on MTV. Incredible. Remember? Yeah. And the tracks skipped. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And then people were like, whoa, wait. I remember that so clearly. Because they had
1: the little microphone that came outside yeah. to the mouth, right? Yeah. Oh, my
0: God. And then they just kept going, right? It's And it was... Weird because everyone picked up on it, but they let it go, and then they didn't really talk about it, and then mm-hmm. didn't really happen. No one said anything, mm-hmm. but it exploded, yeah. and they had just won the Grammy that yeah. year. Like that was like a month later, <sighs> right? So the song "Girl, You Know It's True" was considered a rap song. Here's a crazy Ew. thing. Yeah, this is real this is how <laughs> weird. Gross. And all you kids listening out there, you're gonna go and maybe uh, you know Google Millie Vanilli, rap, <laughs> just so you know. Uh, rap was very confused. White people were very confused on rap yes. back then, because the, it was all white people in the industry. There was no black people no. making decisions. No. Maybe on jazz mm-hmm. and blues and T- a tiny bit, a little bit, right? Yeah. But even still, mm-hmm. you know, the girl you know it's true was considered an actual rap song, so uh, when it became popular, and it peaked at number two on the uh, Billboard Hot Rap Singles Ugh. that year in uh, 1989, That's so 1990. Gross. That's so gross. It stopped at number two uh, on uh, April. Uh, but yeah, it peaked. And what's really funny here is that it peaked at number two on April Fool's Day of that <laughs> ni- 1990, which was a big... Sign that's that so we were all being duped, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. But yeah, they Very considered that a rap song because of the Disgusting. I'm in love with you, girl, girl, right? Because like, uh, that's how confusing it was for people back then. Yeah, bro. and that's just
1: that's because the tastemakers weren't anything but white. Oh, crazy. And they dictated exactly what was determined to be uh, hip-hop. It's so weird. Oh, yeah. Girl, you know, it's true. Well, the, and other artists over the years have been exposed, like um, Ashley Simpson when she was on SNL supposed Mm. to be performing live you ever see this yeah and they played the wrong song and she did a goofy little shuffle and kind of got off stage and we see so many brilliant artists that lip sync today yeah I think the difference is, you know they can sing. Yes. Like if MJ did, a li- uh, MJ did some live performances, some concerts where he, lip si- where he did lip syncing in mm-hmm. some of the songs. He's dancing his ass but off. But you know he can sing. Mm-hmm. Like you know he can sing the lights out. Yeah. People say, oh, Beyonce lip synced that performance. But like, it doesn't matter. You know she can sing. She's got a
0: haircut in the fan. She can't sing. Right? But she did sing with the hair cut yeah. in the fan. Yeah, so yeah. So
1: like, you know, there's some phenomenal voices. And sometimes they've got to take a break because they do like, you know, 80s cities back to back to back across the world. Yeah. But Millie um, Finale did nothing. Nothing. Nothing.
0: And they only got paid, I think it was something like $2 million total mm-hmm. for everything that they did. So, you know, and back then in 1990, $2 million was like $10 million today. It's big deal. Right? So, I think that's kind of fair. Yeah. And they got $2 Blue blew it all. Yeah, that makes sense. I saw actually uh, one of them still alive. The other one died of AIDS uh, in the uh, early 2000s, I believe. Uh, Rob, I think, was the one that Wasn't died. Wasn't suicide? Maybe suicide. I think he had AIDS, though. Oh, wow. Yeah and uh and he and he he might have committed himself uh but he um he, I saw the other one fab mm. doing oh, Robin, fab. doing his song. you're surprised, I know that <laughs> I'm not looking at paperwork, I know that shit right <laughs> fab and rob they, uh fab i believe was the one still alive i th- I think, and he sang his song, so mm. he went on with the guy who sang buddy's part right. And then he went on stage with them, and they had a little melody of all the Millie Vanilli songs. Oh, it's so bad. And the first thing that I thought of, when you can see that on YouTube, if mm. you if you text it, is man, they had a lot of hits. I didn't realize how back, many to hits back, they to had. Back. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that, yeah. like how talented they fucking were. The songwriters and the songwriters yeah. and the guys who delivered the song sang it. Like yeah. Yeah. it was crazy, buddy. <laughs> Blame it on the rain, Massive. motherfucker is falling. Well, well here's right? the thing, like because
1: now a couple of these songs are resurfacing on TikTok and they're like TikTok trends. So my daughter's heard some of these songs. And then I I tell her what the situation is then she can't believe it. Wow. But all all these, so many of these artists now are are imposters as well. So I don't know why it's like such a a, a
0: not believable thing. I think because we are able to out people way easier now and that it's just kind of like a Trumpism.
1: Yeah. And I think there was more then in the 90s, there was still a mystique about celebrities. Mm -hmm. Like you... Well, for me as a kid, I actually believe that they lived in a different part, of that, a different kind <laughs> of world. Yeah, Hollywood. But no, they don't. Mm. Right? It's the same kind of thing. It's just the money. The money is different. Yeah. But uh, yeah, dude, all these celebrities now—they're all—all these singers now are all terrible,
0: non-talented. You know. So if Millie Vanilli happened today, oh jeez, what do you think would happen, dude? They'd be massive. They would be massive stars. And they wouldn't care about the lip sync. Nobody would would care. Nobody would care. Because they're ripped. They're attractive. Nobody would care. Or desensitized to trauma. I mean, dude, look
1: at this Takashi 69 Yeah. He's a... Oh, I mean, okay, here's the thing, okay? If you're not a gangster and you tell, that's Mm -hmm. not snitching. Mm -hmm. Because you're not a gangster.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're a straight person. You're just a civilian. But if you're
1: a gangster... And you proclaim this gang lifestyle and then you snitch? Yeah. That's a death sentence. Yeah. But this cockroach can do it and everyone just kind of like, eh, 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 whatever, no big deal. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's so crazy. Eh? Code, the
1: code is gone.
0: I think so. And I think entertainment now is just, it's, there's just so much money that we can't pick and choose anymore. Like back then there was like five TV stations yep. and like you know a thousand radio stations mm-hmm. and that was it right. Mm-hmm. So we had to be very cautious about everything because yep. we could <laughs> lose it all, you know, <laughs> to, to somebody. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like true. You it's could true, right. I mean. So your whole you career know. disappears. No, oh, yeah. yeah. I'll turn this fucking shit off. Oh my buddy, buddy. So forgot about Jess. <laughs> I have to call him back. Uh, so yeah, so that's uh, the 1990s music. I yeah. mean, do you got do any other memories of the year
1: 1990? Um, being introduced to NWA for the first time mm-hmm. for me was like. M- life-altering experience because I didn't realize you could say stuff like that on music mm-hmm. and um, I think that opened my eyes to what music could be because up until that point a lot of the music that I heard was very polished mm-hmm. um, manufactured for your ears yeah uh, it was supposed to be pleasing to your ears it was supposed to make you feel a certain kind of way it was all very intense specific yeah and then NWA came in and was like fuck all of that yeah
0: yeah it was change
1: good. everything you heard voices that you're not used to hearing on audio. Like, Easy es voice is not a normal voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he comes in this big braggadocious way, you're like, what? Mm-hmm. This voice doesn't make sense on audio. And I think hip hop really transformed that because I, I, I think one unique thing that hip hop did was introduced tones of voices mm-hmm. that really wouldn't be accepted in any other art form.
0: Mm-hmm. When you
1: hear Q-tip and that mm-hmm. nasally flow yeah. and Fife Dog in his flow and, you know, so many of these different kind of voices wouldn't be accepted in any other media. Yeah. Hip hop had to kind of allow this unfiltered. Everybody can do it. You just got to know how to say say stuff that sounds dope. Yeah. And I, for me, that w- that was a big wake up call because I was singing in choir, doing these you know, stupid little repetitive nonsense, and I, I felt like I had a singing voice. But right, because right when I heard that for the first time, for me, I was like, oh shit, everything's gonna change now. Yeah. And it did. That's what I
0: thought too. It's transformative. It did. It changed every every kid. Like it was it's really weird because even rap changed metalheads, hey <laughs> yeah, I like think so. they started like oh when, when I think it was like <laughs> Public Enemy did it with Anthrax yeah. I think in 1990 huge right uh, I, I think it was Ice-T and Body Count was I, it Body Count
1: and maybe not in 1990 but in the 90s yeah, you know, Ice-T yeah. had Body Count as well yeah we'll explore yeah.
0: that one one day too because that had a huge political like that changed wow. a lot yeah, in music and politics and just like and now he plays a cop <sighs>
1: But that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. Uh, one last thing Total about legit. music
0: that I do know, and don't ask me how I know all this. I, I, I just love this fucking song, and I don't <laughs> know why I like it so much. Because I'm a DJ, and I, DJs like a lot of weird music, yeah, right? Yeah. For, for whatever reason, is something hits us differently. Mm-hmm. So 1990 is the only year that two songs of different na- with the same name won Grammys. Wow. Let's see if you can figure this out. That's a unique fact. So two different songs, one Grammys, but they had the same song name.
1: What genres of music?
0: One was top 40. The other one was R&B. Now I'm going to say R&B, female group, 1990, top of their game.
1: I think on Vogue, on Vogue, yes. Okay.
0: Top song was.
1: Oh Man, I'm thinking. Oh, this it's is good. That, this uh, is what the
0: '90s podcast is I'm doing. I'm thinking
1: it's like giving him something he can feel, but that sounds like it came later. Um, I'm about to give it to you. Never gonna get it. No. What genre is the other? one you said R&B and what? Top forty. Top forty on Vogue is R&B the top 40 top 40 top 40 great song yeah never gonna get it isn't it she sounds so good
0: they're still good
1: yeah I think Don Robinson doesn't want to be a part of it anymore though
0: yeah that's too bad
1: what a voice
0: yeah this is never gonna get it Hold on Hold to on. your love. Wow, they sound similar. Oh yeah, it all sounded the same <laughs> back then. That was the '90s flow, right? Never ever going to get it. it yeah. Like the yeah,
1: same replace the lyrics. "Hold
0: uh, on" by En Vogue won uh, R&B song of the year. Wow, the Grammys. Pops, what song won song of the year by the same name? Oh, it's tough. Hold on, eh? To
1: your love. Pop song, Hold On. What the M- fuck my is My jam.
0: This? this is the white side of me that loves this song. I don't think I... I know there's change. Come on, man. Why do you lock yourself I've up in these chains? Never heard this song. You never heard this song? No one wow. could change life except for you. This
1: won a Grammy?
0: Never let anyone <laughs> step all over you. I'm singing this to you right now. Heart and your mind. Oh, my God. What? Yeah. Are you going to feel <laughs> this way inside? I want all my people out there sing this. Come on. Here we go.
1: I'm to like... That, it,
0: this was the anthem for every white female <laughs> single just broke up with a girl f- boyfriend when you hold oh, okay. on okay. for one more day okay. things will go your way that's
1: literally the only part that i recognize just to hold on things that's the th- only part of this song I recognize. this is
0: my advice to you <laughs> all right that's enough of that it's we'll, unbelievable we'll that my i have not heard out. that You never heard that song. I
1: I only just the whole when you that hold on part came like okay that kind of rings a bell, but the rest
0: of it I've never heard. Song of the year and Vogue got R and B song of the year two days. Wow, name the same sucks. That's what we (laughs) give you here on the '90s podcast. (laughs) We give you useless information that you can go back to your mama. I I, I just can't believe that won a Grammy. That song fucking won a Grammy. That that song still to this day plays. Uh, I go to an event. I play this song. Every chick that watches Friends, every dude that watches Seinfeld Mm -hmm. is going to get up and start jamming in their seat, man.
1: Happens every time. And the same thing would happen at a party with brown people if you played that On Vogue song. Yes. Everybody would know it. I've
0: literally had people like, you're amazing, DJ. Because I played that stupid Mm -hmm. song. (laughs) I swear to you. They're like, I can't believe you played this song. It's amazing. And you know what I followed up with? (laughs) Backstreet Boys. (laughs) Let's oh keep you in the mood <laughs> They just lose their
1: minds <laughs> Bro, next one's you Wow, this is an intense time
0: We're going to head over to some politics yeah, Of the very, 90s Very
1: intense right. Yeah, I can remember a lot of uh, A lot of tragedy uh, In the Middle East That changed how the Middle East is set up today Yeah I think this is the same year that Saddam Hussein decided that Kuwait was his
0: Yeah Yeah. It's when it started
1: Wow, scary times.
0: What did you? What do you remember about hearing about you know Middle East and uh, this was probably the first time we've really were exposed to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. What did? You, what was your feeling back then? You uh, my
1: dad was kind of a, a militant brown person, and mm. his defense of brown people around the world. Mm. And I remember him dropping some gems on me. And you got to remember, this is pre-internet, pre-being able to find information. Yeah pre you know at this time if we wanted info we'd have to go to the library we'd have to dig through reels yeah. we'd have to find books oh, it's so th- a lot of po- part a lot of the world we didn't know about oh, horrible. so i remember when this popped off this was like the first televised war the gulf war yes all the time televised bombs dropping it was like a, a ratings CNN bonanza for cnn yeah right so i remember saddam hussein kind of rattling the saber on in iraq and um my dad would say stuff like uh Oh, he, he he works for the U.S. He's employed by the U.S. You know, this is just a fake war. And I remember thinking to the time, what is, what is this guy talking about? This makes sense. He's in Iraq. How does he work for the U.S.? It didn't None of it made sense to me. Yeah. As I got older, I realized, oh, fuck. <laughs> okay, the U.S. did sign Saddam's checks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They funded him. They chose him. They put him there. You know, it's it's one of those so things where I find the U.S. always puts desp- despots in, in these countries. Mm. And then when that person decides to be... Uh, uh, independent thinkers they fuck u s now yeah. they for some reason end up dead
0: yeah they they did that to everyone did yeah. to Noriega in the same you know same Gaddafi. time. Qaddafi, they did at the same time right <laughs> <Bin Laden>. <laughs> <laughs> right I mean, yeah. this is their method they've got a tried and true method of you know taking over, yeah right, and it's a weird way because you know they enable you and then they disable you mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. they enable you, give you all your tools, and then yeah, it's really crazy.
1: The infamous tag of the war on terror mm -hmm. which we hear constantly now yeah um, was being set up in 1990 yeah the the chess pieces were being put into place the stage is being set for what is happening now yeah in 1990 because when the Gulf War started the goal was to eliminate Saddam Hussein George Mm. Bush senior was all about getting him out of power yeah but he couldn't do it yeah because Saddam had a pretty significant stronghold in that area he did
0: very respected, I think,
1: I think what people forget is that the Middle East was under control mm-hmm. now it's lawless,
0: yeah, it's way different now
1: now it's just a free for all everybody murdered everybody yeah uh but back then so people were scared of them
0: this one I remember uh nineteen ninety well I don't really remember, but one thing uh that i will that I do remember growing up back then is how much we talked about uh Jerusalem and the Palestinians Palestines and you know what was happening. In Israel, and it was a big deal. That that I think more than anything was the number one political world topic that people knew about. Then the Gulf War happened, and the Gulf War changed everything. Right? Middle East War changed everything. Uh, 1990 Temple the riots at, uh, the Temple Mount. It is considered the holiest place on earth to the Jewish people. For all Abrahamic faiths, like everybody. Right, so this is equivalent to, um, I don't even think we have something that would be equivalent to this in Canada. If someone were to go have a riot there, you know, I'm not going to say any Catholic church or any BS like that. Uh, there's really no sacred ground that we have here, you know.
1: I mean, oh, the only people that would have sacred ground here would be the indigenous peoples. Indigenous people. I'm sure they have sacred ground
0: here that, that they've trampled all over. Are comparison. those dead? I think so. Yeah, just to- toss them in the recycling oh, uh, this bin. This, this, Yes, that's perfect. That little black bag there is recycling for batteries.
1: In nineteen ninety, it would be yes.
0: Okay, so yeah, this is this is a really uh,
1: um, jarring topic for a lot of people because they don't understand the conflict, no, the Palestine-Israel conflict, and mm-hmm. um, they also don't understand that this in this era, the Palestinians actually had a hero in Yasser Arafat. Yes, and uh, the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation. Yeah. Um, and see, the thing is with Yasser Arafat, he was fearless mm-hmm. in condemning Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, most of the Palestinian leaders are placed there by mm, yeah. you know, the occupying forces. And they don't have a voice. They don't have a choice. Mm. But Yasser Arafat openly challenged Israel. He was brutal. He didn't give a fuck. And they had missiles. They had weaponry. Now they have nothing. Now they're decimating. Now yeah. they're, you know, throwing rocks at tanks. They were
0: once the most trained army in the world, like the most dangerous army yeah. in the world. Yeah, they were fearless. In the 90s they were.
1: Well, they were ready because at that time, Saddam Hussein's stronghold enabled um, Islam to have a strong footing. And you, you got to understand, there's different sects to Islam. You know, there's the Shias, there's the Sunnis, there's mm-hmm. the Ismailis. And this was a Sunni-dominated Middle East at the time because of Saddam Hussein. Mm-hmm. And he empowered Yasser Arafat to make sure that every time there was any kind of infringement on Palestinian rights that he you know, put his foot mm. down and said, we're going to fight back. Mm-hmm. So this Temple Mount massacre, Christians love the Temple Mount because it's you know the home of, of you know, Bethlehem and, and Jesus and mm-hmm. all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. And Muslims love it because this is the place where the Prophet Muhammad ascended to heaven through the Al-Aqsa Mosque, the, gold oh, wow. the, the Golden Mosque. So the story is that uh, in one of his dreams, there was like a winged creature that escorted the prophet yeah. to heaven to go through all the stories of heaven uh, through the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Oh, wow. So in Islam, is heavily revered. Christianity is heavily revered. Mm. And in Judaism, is heavily revered. Mm. And there's been like a um, uh, kind of like a ceasefire agreement between all the faiths that this is one area that's conflict-free zone. Mm. And this was one of the first times that Israel encroached on that. Mm-hmm. And now she's
0: murdered people. Uh, 17 people died. Yeah. 150 yeah. people injured.
1: Yeah. So since then, there's been a lot of these kind of events since then in the Temple Mount. But up until that time,
0: it was unheard of that you would attack somebody there. Yeah. And it was crazy because it was all planned. Mm-hmm. Like this was planned days before. This wasn't something that popped off. Yep. You know, Israel days before this mm-hmm. handed out gas masks yep. to their citizens. Right. Saying like, get ready. Like we're taking this down, like mm-hmm. the amount of hate, like what's really crazy, what we didn't know about in the 90s was the history of hate that went between those two countries. It's brutal. I remember the first time I, I was kind of exposed to it. I was like, oh, you know, these other Jewish people hate the Jewish people. That's what I always thought it was. So mm-hmm. like, why are these mm-hmm. two Jewish people fighting with each other? Yeah. And they're and all I knew is they were fighting over this little strip of land the size of Walmart. It's tiny, right? And and that was it. And we we're like, whoa, well, they're just fighting over this this thing. Why? Because this is where Jesus hung out. Like that's what I always thought yeah, back then, for sure. right? And we didn't really get information, man. And you were you almost picked sides back then, not knowing anything about 100%, the sides. And I think people still pick
1: sides when it comes to this conflict because they just don't know. They don't understand. And the worst part for me is. The people that created the conflict c- just got to wash their hands of yeah. it and leave yeah you know the uk france the us mm-hmm. they completely built this conflict after world war one people yeah this is, goes back to 1921 this isn't a current thing mm-hmm. you know this jumped off with uh, the rothschilds when they were yeah. first finding a land for their people to return yeah. and the balfour agreement and all these snaky documents that were passed Craziness. through the, the british empire at the time
0: it's crazy. That it still stands today. It's like still this a conflict. still happens.
1: How fuck? How terrible are humans, man! Wow, you just can't over get over it, can't get over anything.
0: Well, it's sad to say, not say, not be you know dismissive of it. No, they're not fighting over any nothing. They're mm. fighting over belief. You, you know? know, they're fighting like everything is fought
1: over religion and belief. My right? fairy tale figure in the sky is better than your fairy tale figure yeah. in the sky. And I hate to simplify it like that, but that's kind of really what it boils down to. And even now, what's happening in Palestine is atrocious. Like, Mm. uh, people don't really pay attention, but they have this settler program in Israel. Mm. I I hate even calling it Israel, but they have this settler program where the Israeli government allows Israeli citizens to go to Palestinian people's homes and Mm. remove them and just live there. Oh, wow. Just live there. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. This is your home now. And then the Palestinians Uh, are put into these little pockets of places. So The 90s kind of, you know, once Yasser Arafat died,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Palestinian power just died with him. Yeah. And it was never restored. People talk about Hamas or Hamas. Hamas is meaningless. Mm -hmm. They are nothing. They're just a gang Mm
0: -hmm. in that area. With not good intentions. Without good intentions and without resources. Yeah. But they're propped up as this big evil
1: villain when they really have no authority.
0: It's so tragic that that happens. Imagine living there. Like, if you're a 40-year-old man Mm -hmm. living in Israel... You imagine what you've lived through and seen in your life. We as North Americans can't even begin to put together what an average day for a Jewish man is over oh, there. Hey, could you imagine? No. Like a 45 year old man, you look through, he'll look through you. You know, he'll just be like, "Dude, I've seen everything. I've seen you come a mile away." What? Like, here's, here's
1: one thing that another thing that people don't understand. Like, there's a real safe space in Israel for Israelis. Mm. There's a real sheltered, safe from like all no, violence no place. Violence zone. Yeah, mm. for Israelis. Where where is that? Uh, if you look at Tel Aviv, Tel Aviv, they're really like large city centers, and mm. they're secure. Man, wow. Israel has the second largest military on the planet per capita. Wow,
0: and they've been getting three
1: billion dollars from the U.S. since World War II.
0: Do you think they're just used to it and they just say, fuck it, we're just going to get this $3 billion from the states? Oh, they don't care. They don't care. We're not really popping off anymore. Right? Yeah, like,
1: they're a sponsor state.
0: They're a sponsor state. They've been
1: stealing resources from the Palestinians forever. right?
0: Why so. do? Why does America pay for them? Like
1: I, I hate to say it, but I, I truly believe that they're such a Christian nation mm. that they want to safeguard Jesus' home birth, that's birthplace for his return. Because that's what Christians believe, right? Mm-hmm. That's what, I mean.
0: So you're, they're... Fully buying into the faith and to the I, prophecy. As ridiculous as it sounds, I think so.
1: Because what, wow. what are the reasoning is there?
0: They are pretty intense down there. Come on, Christians. man. You see these Bob, Bible thumpers
1: in the U.S. They're out yeah. of their minds. Wow. So I believe they're safeguarding the motherland for Jesus' so return. So they pay
0: $3 billion a year because in case Jesus comes, he takes all the Americans. Well, to,
1: to make sure <laughs> that the gatekeeper at the time yeah. is U.S. friendly. The fucking, fucking bonkers
0: the myth that we all buy into eh? the big circle the it's pope disgusting. the states the, well, the jewish is, people
1: islam believes jesus is going to return as well mm-hmm. they believe he's going to come back because he doesn't have an earthly grave that's the idea he's going to yeah. come back as well but they don't believe he's going to come back just to israel they believe it's going to be like a, a worldwide leadership movement when he yeah. arrives and leads all the oppressed people against the tyrants wow.
0: Right. Hopefully, I'm in the ground by then.
1: And this is a non-cannabis podcast.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, 1990, uh, October 7th, Israel handed out the gas mass mm. on Black Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next day, Palestine the Palestinians uh, threw rocks at the Jewish people from uh, Temple Mount. Yeah,
1: it's the only weapon they had.
0: Only weapon they had. Uh, the Israeli police uh, killed 17 Palestinian people that day, mm-hmm. October 8th. Uh, October 9th of 1990, Saddam Hussein threatens to bomb Israel.
1: I remember this, yeah.
0: He told Israelis today that they have, quote, no choice but to leave Arab lands. Mm-hmm. And he said Baghdad possesses a new long-range missile. And this was big back in 1990. Dude. Long-range missile. Yeah, dude, we don't say long-range missile. <laughs> I, th- I so thought old. this was the beginning of World War three. This, this is what I thought, and yeah. I was young, man. I'm just like, screw. It. I'm listening to NWA. <laughs> they, he had a long-range missile, missile capable of reaching targets hundreds of miles away. Yeah. Right, and he threatened that. He went mm. on TV and said, "That's it," and that was it. That's what got the United States involved. Bush Sr. Bush Sr. said, okay, you know what? You can't say that. Can't talk to them like that. You no. can't talk. Right. He warned Saddam though. He's yeah. remember he said, like, you can't do that. Listen, friend. Yeah. <laughs> friend, right? Remember? Because they were all buddies. Dude, that'd be like you, right? That'd be like you all of a sudden, you know, I see on the news or on Facebook, yo, it's A-L-I-T-E. I'm in Mike's garage. He ain't here, right? I was going to drink his beer and I'm going to, you know, drink his smoke his weed and I go on social media you better get out of my garage, right? Like you better get out. I'm going to like that's how stupid it was. They were yeah. homies.
1: Yeah.
0: Saddam Hussein was handpicked by George
1: Bush senior. Yeah. While George Bush <laughs> senior worked for the CIA to govern Iraq. Wow. And now he's telling him, "Come on, be a good boy." Crazy. Saddam was like, "Fuck this. I'm taking Kuwait." And I'm going to bomb Israel to shit.
0: And he had no long-range missiles. Yeah. Well, he didn't I mean, have them.
1: He had missiles, but, I mean, they weren't of any significance. But Very the difference good. was he had people that believed in him. Yeah. That, that's the difference between the first Gulf War and the second Gulf War. By the time the second Gulf War came around, the people didn't believe anymore. Yeah. And they refused to.
0: And that lives. was because of the media. Media. Big of, part of it. CNN really took down Saddam Hussein. Yeah. I mean, realistically, it was that CNN was created to persuade the masses mm-hmm. for the United States mm-hmm. against the Gulf War to take the oil. Like, yep. that's all it was for, right? 100%. That's it. CNN, we all know CNN was just a sham. Uh, but also, 100%. on this day, <laughs> all right, it is not really poli- political, but it kind of was political. Uh, the same day that Saddam threatened to bomb Israeli, hmm. Two Live Crew was bombing the wow. Supreme Court. That was the day that 2 Live Crew went to court the Supreme Court and sat up there and talked about their lyrics, talked about the stuff they do at shows. Wow. They talked about uh, the things they do backstage. They were fully exposed and they blew the minds off of these white senators Mm because at the time it was very waspy, uh, you know. That's how it was. We're we're talking you, Joe Biden, Mm -hmm. back then, voting against it, you know, rapping black people, Mm -hmm. right? And, you know, they went through it, man, and they just divulged it on. You can go on YouTube and you can listen to the court proceedings. To us now, it's nothing. Mm -hmm. But back then, it was a major ordeal. It is the reason that you have Parental
1: Advisory Lyrics stickers on your album. Still. It is the main reason Uncle Luke and 2 Live Crew are the reason why Mm -hmm. that sticker exists. Yeah, tipper gore. And if you want to know why that sticker exists,
0: look up some two live crew. You will not be disappointed. Dude, no one's even come close. Cardi B kind of is two live crew of our time. Yeah, she kind of goes there. No one's really done a two live crew yeah i don't think you there's, know
1: act well and i don't like i don't think you can do it without living it yeah. right and those dudes were living it they're oh, in yeah, miami yeah. you know south beach all day just trying to buy beautiful women Brutal. and they just turned it into a lifestyle yeah and i i think if you're going to create that it, now it's not mm-hmm. going to work you yeah. can't have that kind of misogyny blatant in your mm-hmm. face mm-hmm. all day and expect to get love from the masses
0: and what happened with that if i remember um they were deemed constitutional like they were deemed allowed to release the music but they had to put the warning stickers on mm-hmm. and if I remember right there was one storekeeper that mm-hmm. was ordered because you were if you had two live crew selling in your record store you were fined shut down major fines yeah. seize all of the tapes yeah, yeah. you're screwed so there was one guy in Miami who kept open and I think he ended up he paid like a hundred something thousand dollars and debts but he was the only one in Florida selling and he sold fucking thousands and thousands and oh, thousands of, of course. things for it's Like them, crack. Right? Yeah, I don't I don't write I know I didn't write it down, but um but yeah he like I remember that he was a guy who stood up and they kept coming and arresting him, arresting him. Like yeah. they were literally arresting the guy for selling CDs crazy times well, and i
1: mean they couldn't perform the songs either they there were so many it.
0: states that were yeah. like you know very
1: christian states and they couldn't use certain lyrics and say certain things yeah but dude they they broke ground man yeah they changed the game for us oh they
0: 100% changed it. and someone had to do it and back then it was tip tipo, tip Tipper gore mm-hmm. and it was uh the fcc lady uh oh she was famous As they
1: went dolores tucker
0: dolores tucker okay. yeah she she was rap's yeah. greatest enemy in yeah, the She was Cruella de
1: Vil for hip-hop. Oh, boy. Yeah, she was just man. terrible.
0: She made it on all rappers' albums. Ice Cube Dude, hated Pac her. Dude, called to, her out. Pop called Did her, her t- out. Dolores Tucker used the motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. yeah, man. Yeah. That was crazy times. But also on this day, which... Blew my mind when I read this in politics. Okay. Besides the fact that, um, you know, uh, on, uh, in this time, exactly in 1990, Libya's uh, Gaddafi mm-hmm. said that Israel must be eliminated as well. Yeah, for sure. Happened on the same day that Mikhail Gorbachev, leader of Russia, yeah. won the Nobel Peace Prize. Amazing stuff. Deserved, man. Well yeah. deserved. Yeah. He was the last great Russian. Mm-hmm. The last one, man. I think if anybody else was in power
1: outside of Gorbachev, the U.S. and, and uh, Russia would have been in a full, full-blown, full-blown war. Yeah, yeah. Gorbachev was the right person. He was For needed. the time. Yeah, he was needed.
0: And I think he's still alive. I think.
1: I'm not. Oh God, I don't even know. I think
0: so. I think he's still alive. He was only in his like 50s then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think I think I saw a picture. I don't know. Maybe you know, the he. The crazy isn't.
1: thing is when you bring him up winning the Nobel Peace Prize. In popular culture at the time and in movies and news all the time, mm-hmm. he was portrayed as a warmongering lunatic. Yeah. But that wasn't him at all. No. Dude, go back and watch the, the Naked Gun movies, yeah, I think. Yeah, he was the bad, yeah. the, the supervillain with the stain on his head and stuff. Yeah. They portrayed him in North America as the worst thing to happen to the world. Mm-hmm. And he was a peacekeeper.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It just goes to show how easily we could be manipulated then and now.
0: Well, and it also shows how. And I think it still is to this day how influential the CIA is and was. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the CIA really manipulated us through media. Oh, huge. They figured this out a long, long time ago about how we can make you hate people Mm -hmm. and be patriotic. If you're not patriotic, you must be a communist, you know. And that was the thing then, right? And so media helped them Mm -hmm. do that. And Mm -hmm. all these movies, you know. Portraying Russians as the bad guys, they Every were movie. always the Russians Every were always the bad guys. Movie. They still are, by the way, in Hollywood. They're still the bad for guys for real. Right? But you
1: know, you you can see who the villain of choice is based on the volume of movies directed at that ethnic group. Mm-hmm. So the '90s was all Russians, then two thousand became all you know, Middle Eastern yeah. people, and then you know, early in the '80s it was all Chinese. And yeah. you know, the super villains <sighs> in those movies were always race.
0: Baited based on what was happening in American politics at the yeah, time, right? Based on our Cold Wars that yeah. were happening. Yeah, pretty much. At that time. They built it that way. Under, underground wars, right? For sure. And now you sure. look at it as like, it's probably coming back to Russia again, right? You look at it Because yeah. you see in Hollywood now, it's like Russian villain, Russia. When I audition, yeah. my buddy's like, yeah, I'm going out for a Russian. O-. I'm like, dude, all these Russians, evil Russians <laughs> yeah. being looked for, right? Putin's a bad motherfucker, man. Trying to find the Russian accent <laughs> is very <laughs> difficult. <laughs> I I try, right? Uh, yeah, but he won the Nobel Peace. So that's really cool. Other uh, notable Nobel Peace yeah. uh, Prize winners: oh, Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, according not, to not Trump, deserved, ac- not deserved. Not deserved. But according to Trump, so. Trump won the Nobel Peace Prize. Right? right? These time C- man's of the year. Fat right? Fuck. right. So that was that was our. Uh, pro- you got any other memories of politics? in Nineteen ninety.
1: Nineteen ninety. Yeah. No, I just thought the world was gonna end. I thought yeah. we were heading into World War Three and the constant bombardment of war information had never been seen on the news before like that and it set the stage man now you look at the news because of what happened in 1990 yeah almost everything that we really see now this kind of parade of information started with the 90s the ticker at the bottom yeah right all these little details started in the
0: 90s that's why it's so important to Talk about this stuff and I have a 90s podcast, right? Where we actually to bring people back. Wow. Last one, man. Mm-hmm. The greatest inventions, inventions of the 90s. So what we're going to do is we'll have like a bunch of different subjects. We got these four today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it'll probably change every week and we'll probably go down a memory lane. But you mentioned like this was probably the biggest year. Massive. For inventions.
1: I would say so because it transformed how we live now. Yeah. The introduction of Internet. Yeah. Being proposed as a technology to build yeah. was proposed in 1990 by a scientist from CERN. So, uh, HTML and all of the things that power the internet mm-hmm. was proposed in 1990.
0: URLs and stuff.
1: Yeah, and, mm. and the the proposition originally was for scientists to be able to share information freely without without restrictions. Mm. And once they proposed it, they realized, oh shit, this has much bigger implications. So, the device that you're using today to Mm. listen to this podcast, whether it's at home, whether you're in the streets, wherever you are, is powered by the brain of someone in 1990 Mm. that decided that this is going to be the the first step into the
0: future. It's crazy. And the brains 30 years ago were not, were sheltered brains. Like, Uh, hugely. Like, you know, sure, there were pioneers and there were people who were making advances in in technology and everything, but everything had been really. All the inventions had been really popular culture kind of up until 1990, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. all these Rubik's Cubes and toys and like video games. And, you know, there wasn't anything really substantial that was being done until the the Internet beginning. Yeah. You really think about it like we were still in that 80s television Movies, mm-hmm. blockbusters, you know, like in the theaters, like that's, video games. Like these things were all coming, kind of coming into their own. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the Internet just came and really changed everything. And I think as society
1: up until that point, we had a lot of blinders mm. as far as what really was happening in the world. Mm-hmm. We had tons of blinders on us. When it came to politics, when it came to geography, knew everything. Yeah. So when the internet came and it gave everybody the ability to be on the same page, information-wise. Yeah. Wow. Do you remember the first time you went on the internet?
0: Yes. Oh, you do remember? Oh, yeah.
1: We celebrated as a family. You, you were at your house? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My parents oh, no, bought like a $4,000 desktop
0: computer. <laughs> God <laughs> damn it. Was it on uh, pay to, like, pay it? You pay it every month? Was it no, a payoff? Or was it just like, like, we like, we bought that. it? My parents were like,
1: buy they it. They just bought it. Yeah. And I remember we, we were talking about this internet, internet, internet. My brother, like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Yeah. We didn't even know what we were talking about. All we knew that there was going to be something on the computer that, <laughs> that allow us to see things we've never seen before. Yeah. Like, we didn't even know what that meant. <laughs> and I remember hitting connect. And you remember the fax machine noises,
0: <laughs> yep.
1: constant no- nonsense noise. Yeah. Uh, and the first thing that I remember my parents looking up was, what time is it in Fiji? Oh, wow. Yeah, And you could barely even get that information. That took like yeah. 15 minutes to yeah. show up. <laughs> yeah. So now I think we're so immersed in it. We take it so, so for granted. Mm-hmm. People that are millennials moving 2000 and forward, mm-hmm. they don't really understand how bad technology was for us. Oh, it was bad. They don't get it. They don't get it. They get a slow Wi-Fi connection and they lose their minds.
0: Yeah, they, they don't. I, I would say that their equal today is like buffering. Yeah. so how irritating that you would be as a child today that your youtube video didn't turn on right away but it took 10 seconds to yeah. go on the yeah. the amount of irritation that you feel on that that was what regular use of the internet was and back in 90 it was enjoyable but we liked it because we was had adventure. no idea yeah yeah it was so technology it's like is this really like there's gonna show me yeah. here? like what <laughs> Like, whatever. And there
1: wasn't anything on the internet either at the no, time. The content definitely. was so limited, there was really no information. Google yeah. didn't exist. That kind of stuff wasn't around. No. Internet Explorer would have been, uh, or sorry, Netscape Navigator. Netscape. <laughs> AOL. Been. Yeah. AOL Online. And these were all meaningless. You have mail. Yeah. They were kind of like no, non functioning yeah. entities.
0: And in 1990, you couldn't use the phone and the internet at the same time in the house. How? Unless you had separate lines. How terrible is that? Yeah. If you were it on free. the internet
1: and the phone rang, and someone answered it yeah. your internet
0: stopped your internet stopped and you get the little thing that's circling right or that it would go across chick, chick, did chick, you chick. hear what we said yeah it's crazy they don't understand
1: yeah your f- internet just stopped and you gotta wait till the phone and i don't know growing up in a minority household with a mom mm. um that liked to be on the phone mm-hmm. and you couldn't use the internet for four hours just because she had one conversation yeah it was horrible it was terrible
0: i think my first interaction with the internet was <sighs> Definitely like uh, mid-90s, probably 95, I would say. I was probably like 18, maybe 94. I was probably 18. And I think I was looking up, oh yeah. Yes, I do remember. I was looking up uh, uh, flights and uh, mail route patterns from Mexico to Canada. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, you mean, we can actually for, for geography, for, for geography, geography's yes. sakes, so yeah. you mean we can actually track <laughs> packages on this? Like, really? Straight up. That was probably my first time. And then my next real interaction was 2004. So wow. really, I didn't really get a pure taste of the Internet till 2004. Wow. Dude. Yeah. So 14 ish years after it was already. But, you know, I, I was kind of out in the wilderness. Yeah. Living my life off the grid, off the grid off the gr- <laughs>
1: for a little while. Right? Yeah. So. And the fact that we can remember our first interaction with the yeah. internet, I think sums it all up. Yeah. Because most kids now would have no fucking clue, no clue. what their first Google search was. No idea. It would, it would be nothing. It would be inconsequential to their life. Yeah. But for us, it was an event. Totally. It was an event. Yeah.
0: It was really crazy. Uh, which brings me to my thing that I wanted to mention about 1990s inventions, which is kind of, different because I use it every day and people use it every day now. Okay. It used to be something that you'd have to buy and pay for and then you never really use it but now people use it every day and it's Photoshop. Oh wow. 1990 was the uh, year that when the internet started Photoshop started. Wow. And now it's really different because back then it was uh, when you had a photo and you altered it (laughs) you couldn't have both. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was like, it now you memory. have a new
1: photo. It wasn't enough memory, yeah. It wasn't enough memory, right?
0: <laughs> so you could, you was just like, that's it. When you altered your nose off, it's gone. Your nose is gone, <laughs> right? But it's amazing how it's taken off and it's become a staple go-to for any young person now they all know how to use it it's mandatory you all know how to use photoshop makes even when i do my shots for acting and all Mm -hmm. that i'm on photoshop i'm taking out wrinkles (laughs) right i'm taking off little pimples or whatever like i'm smoothing shit out Mm -hmm. it's crazy And, and and i didn't get taught i just like you know figured out googled how to do it and then you just do it and now it's just like a staple must have
1: and now you can replace people's face completely yeah and back then, would you could probably
0: just put a line through your forehead or something. Yeah. Wow,
1: 1990 Photoshop.
0: So here's some facts uh, that I collected about uh, Photoshop I thought were really interesting. Uh, number one, today, 42% of the girls that go on Photoshop mm. want to be thinner. Mm. So they're carving, they're, they're slicing and dicing, oh, digital sad. slicing and dicing. <sighs> 78% of 17-year-old girls uh, are unhappy with their bodies. Mm. Uh, These are Photoshop, obviously, Photoshop surveys that they did. Mm -hmm. Teenage girls are reported more afraid of gaining weight than getting cancer, losing their parents, or nuclear war. These are American girls. Oh, God. Uh, this was done in 2018, that by the way. Astonishing. Uh, 50% of boys want to make their hair look more dark and shiny. <laughs> is what they do <laughs> on, uh, on Facebook or Photoshop. So girls are cutting it down. Guys are like buffing it up. Beautiful pompadour. <laughs> That's weird. You know? and uh, everyone wants slight change in the background of their images. So everybody does um, changes. Hmm. So they're saying 100% of people who do it alter their background. Hundred percent. That's terrible. Don't like where they are. So if you we, now, when you go in deep into those stats, mm-hmm. and you think about these stats of human, like this, really portrays a really messed up human being compared it's to pretty, the '90s. Even it's pretty crummy, yeah. right? Like yeah. you think about it, man. Like everyone wants a chance to edit their background. Everybody edits their background.
1: Yeah, I think another difference is now when I look at it in retrospect, we were very, very sheltered in the '90s. Yeah. And now there's so much information about everything. I think everybody's forced to explore themselves. Yeah. And
0: unfortunately, when people explore themselves, they find things they don't like. It's crazy. Yeah. Right. And behavior back then, too. You know, that's all, all the stuff that's happening now to celebrities and everything. Mm-hmm. It all happened in the 90s, man, because the, the 90s was, was a bad time. Yeah. It was a really bad time. It's cool, dude. Good and bad. Good and bad. But we're going to explore both the good and bad on yes. this amazing podcast. Yes, yes. Got anything else uh, you want to bring up? No, that's great, man. It's a good start. I think it's good. Uh, you can check us out on uh, all social media. You mm-hmm. can go to it's A-L-I-T-E-I-T. No apostrophe S. I made that mistake. They're like Instagram reaches out and slaps you. We don't know no punctuation here, son. <laughs> all right you can go acdj uh vancouver online as well yes uh if you got any questions you got any comments for us please you know you want to sponsor us yeah. all right that's all uh, you fun. got a name you think our name sucks or you think we should dress a little bit differently <laughs> whatever you want man you just tell us we're good you want to get on a zoom you're from out of town We'll get you on a Zoom. It'd be interesting conversations about the 90s. Yeah. And you can find
1: us also through the High, High Phrase podcast, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, wherever it is. We'll make sure all the pages
0: are connected so you don't
1: have to look too far to find us.
0: All right. So here we go. Let's pick uh, our next year. Mm-hmm. All right. You got a year in your head? Yes. Okay. We'll say it at the same time, a year that we're thinking, right? And then we'll go in the medium <laughs> and that'll be next week's. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. 97. 97. Oh, oh man. Jesus. <laughs> we're two alike. <laughs> We need individual podcasts. We can't even find them. them. All right, here we go. Ready? One more time. Ready? Mm -hmm. One, two, three. 95. 92. All right, so what was that? That would be 93? Yeah, let's say 93. Yeah. Done. Good year. Next week, 1993, we're going to explore everything. You guys behave yourselves.
1: High Freed Podcast, y'all. Peace.
0: Peace out. Hate people and be patriotic. If you're not patriotic, you must be a communist. You know, and that was the thing then, right? And so media helped them Mm -hmm. do that. And all these movies, you know, portraying Russians as the bad guys. They always the Russians, always the bad guys. They still are, by the way, in Hollywood. They're still the bad guys. For real. But you know, you
1: you can see who the villain of choice is based on the volume of movies directed at that ethnic group. Mm -hmm. So the 90s was all Russians, and 2000 became all Middle Eastern people. And then, you know, earlier in the 80s it was all Chinese. the super villains in those movies were always race baited, based on what was happening with American politics at the time, right? based on our
0: Cold War. Yeah, were pretty much. They built it that way. Under underground wars, right? For sure. And now you look so at it as like it's probably coming back to Russia again, right? You like you look yeah, at it again. Because yeah. you see in Hollywood now it's like Russian villain Russia. When I audition, yeah. my buddy's like, yeah, I'm going out for a Russian. I'm like. Dude, all these Russian, evil Russians do you look for, right? Putin's a bad motherfucker. Right? Trying to find a Russian accent it's very difficult. <laughs> I I try, right? Uh, Yeah, but he won the Nobel Peace. That's so really cool. Other uh, notable Nobel Peace uh, Prize winners, well, Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, according They're to not Trump, deserved. Not, uh, deserved. not deserved. Not deserved. But according to Trump, Trump won the Nobel Peace Prize, yes. right? He's top Man of the year. That fuck? Right? So that was, that was our uh, You got any other memories of politics in 1990? 1990? Yeah, no, I just thought
1: the world was going to end. I thought yeah. we were heading into World War Three, and the constant bombardment of war information had never been seen on the news before like that. And it set the stage, man. Now you look at the news because of what happened in 1990. Yeah. Almost everything that we really see now, this kind of parade of, of
0: information, started with the 90s, the ticker at the bottom. Right. All the little details started in the '90s. That's why it's so important to talk about this stuff. And I have a '90s podcast, right, where we actually bring people back. Last one, then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The greatest inventions, inventions of the '90s. So what we're gonna do is we'll have like a bunch of different subjects. We got these four today, mm-hmm. so you know it'll probably change every week, and we'll probably go down a memory lane. But you mentioned like this was probably the biggest year, massive
1: for inventions. I would say so. 'Cause it transformed how we live now. Yeah. The introduction of internet yeah. being proposed as a technology to build yeah. was proposed in nineteen ninety by scientists from CERN. So uh, mm-hmm. HTML and all of the things that power the internet mm-hmm. was proposed in nineteen ninety. URLs and stuff. Yeah. And the the proposition originally was for scientists to be able to share information freely without without restrictions. Mm. And once they proposed it, they realized, oh, shit, this has much bigger implications. So the device that you're using today to listen to this podcast, whether it's at home, whether you're in the streets, wherever you are, is powered by the brain of someone in 1990 Mm -hmm. that decided that this is going to be the the first step into the future. It's
0: crazy. And the brains 30 years ago were not were sheltered brains. Like, you know, sure, there were pioneers and there were people making advances in in technology and everything, but... Everything had been really, uh, all the inventions had been really popular culture kind of up until 1990, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. all these Rubik's Cubes and toys and like video games. And, you know, there wasn't anything really substantial that was being done Mm -hmm. until the internet. Yeah, yeah. You really think about it, like we were still in that 80s television, movies, blockbusters. You know, like in the theaters, like mm-hmm. stuff, video games. Like these things were all coming, kind of coming into their own, right? And then the internet just came and really changed everything. And I think a
1: society, up until that point, we had a lot of blinders. Mm-hmm. As far as what really was happening in the world. Mm-hmm. We had tons of blinders on us. When it came to politics, when it came to geography, everything. Yeah. So when the internet came, we gave everybody the ability to be on the same page, information-wise.
0: Yeah. Wow. Do you remember the first time you went on the yeah. internet? Yes.
1: Oh, you do remember? Oh yeah, we celebrated the family. You you were at your house, yeah, yeah, yeah. My oh, parents computer. bought like a four
0: thousand dollar desktop computer. God, <laughs> uh, w- was it on uh, pay to like pay it? You pay it every month? Was it a no, payoff? Or my, my parents just, like, like we that. bought like, it?
1: My parents were like, buy it, Yeah. And I remember we, we were talking about this internet, internet, internet. I was like, oh, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. We didn't even know what we were talking about. All we knew that there was going to be something on the computer that like, <laughs> allows us to see things we've never seen before. Yeah. Like, we didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and we were <laughs> really connect. And you remember the fax machine noise <laughs> Yeah, Constant no- nonsense noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first thing that I remember my parents looking up was, what time is it in TV? Oh, wow. Yeah. And you could barely even get that information. That took like 15 minutes to Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. now I think we're so immersed in it. We take it so, so for granted. People that are millennials moving 2000 and forward, mm-hmm. they don't really understand how bad technology was for us. Oh, it was bad. They don't get it. They don't get it. They get a slow Wi-Fi connection and they lose their minds. Yeah,
0: they, they don't. I, I would say that their equal today is like buffering. Yeah. So how irritating that you would be as a child today that your YouTube video didn't turn on right away, but it took 10 seconds to go on. The amount of irritation that you feel on that, that was what regular use of the internet was and back in ninety. It was enjoyable. But we liked it because we it was had invention. no idea. Yeah, yeah. It was so technology. It's like, is this really like? They're just gonna show me shit yeah. here. Like what?
1: <laughs> like whatever. And there wasn't anything on the internet either at the no. time. The content was so limited. There was really no information. Google mm-hmm. didn't exist. That kind of stuff wasn't around. No. Internet Explorer would have been, uh, or it's like Netscape Navigator, Netscape <laughs> AOL, yeah, AOL online. And these were all meaningless.
0: Have mail. Yeah. They were kind of like no non-functioning yeah. entities. And in 1990, you couldn't use the phone and the internet at the same time in the house. Oh, Unless you had separate lines, terrible is that. Yeah. If you You're went on the screen. internet and the phone rang and someone answered it, yeah. your internet stopped. Your internet stopped, and you get the little thing was circling, right, or yeah. that it would go across. Tick, tick, tick. Did you hear what we said? Yeah, it's crazy. They don't understand. Yeah, your internet
1: just stopped. Are you gotta wait for the phone. And I don't know, growing up in a minority household with a mom um, that liked to be on the phone, mm-hmm. and you couldn't use the internet for four hours just because she had one conversation. Yeah, it was horrible. That's terrible.
0: I think my first interaction with the internet was definitely like uh, mid 90s, probably 95, I would say. I was probably yeah. like 18, maybe so, 90, 94, I was probably 18. And I think I was looking up, oh yeah, yes, I do remember. I was looking up uh, f- uh, flights and uh, mail route patterns. <laughs> From Mexico to Canada. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, you mean we can actually... For for geography. For geography's sake. You mean we can actually (laughs) track packages on this? Like, really? (laughs) Straight up. That was probably my first time. And then my next real interaction was 2004. So really, I didn't really get a pure taste of the internet until 2004. Wow. Yeah, so 14-ish years after it was already. But, you know, I was kind of out in the wilderness living my life off the grid, off grid, off the grid. <laughs> for a little while. Right? Yeah, so. and the fact that we can remember our first interaction with the internet,
1: I think sums it all up. Yeah. Because most kids now would have no fucking clue what their first Google search was. No idea. It would, it would mean nothing. It would be inconsequential
0: to their life. Yeah. But for us, it was an event. Totally. It was an event. Yeah, it was really crazy, uh, which brings me to my... Thing I wanted to mention about 1990s inventions, which is kind of different because I use it every day and people use it every day now. Okay. It used to be something that you'd have to buy and pay for and you never really use it, but now people use it every day and it's Photoshop. Oh, wow. 1990 was the uh, year that when the internet started, Photoshop started. Wow. And now it's really different because back then it was uh, when you had a photo, and you altered it, you couldn't have both. <laughs> it was like <laughs> now you have <laughs> a new photo. Wasn't memory? Yeah, wasn't a memory? Right. <laughs> so you couldn't. It was just like that's it. When you altered your nose off, it's gone. Your nose is gone, right? But it's amazing how it's taken off and it's become a staple go-to for any young person now. They all it's know mandatory. How to use it. It's mandatory. You all know how to use using uh, Photoshop. Makes Even when I do my shots for acting and all mm-hmm. that, I'm all Photoshop. I'm taking out wrinkles <laughs> right I'm taking off little like pimples or whatever like I'm smoothing shit out. It's mm-hmm. crazy and, and, and I didn't get taught. I just like you know figured out Googled how to do it and then you just do it and now it's just like a staple mad must have.
1: and now you can replace people's face completely yeah and back
0: then but you could probably just put a line through your forehead or something yeah. Wow, 1990 Photoshop. So here's some facts uh, that I collected about uh, Photoshop I thought were really interesting. Uh, number one, Today, 42% of the girls that go on Photoshop mm. want to be thinner. Mm. So they're carving, they're, they're slicing and dicing, <sighs> digital slicing and dicing. <sighs> 78% of 17 year old girls uh, are unhappy with their bodies. Mm. Uh, these are Photoshop, obviously Photoshop surveys that we did. Mm-hmm. Teenage girls are reported more afraid of gaining weight than getting cancer, losing their parents or nuking or more. These are Americans. Oh girls. God. Uh, so this was done in 2018. That's astonishing. Uh, 50% of boys want to make their hair look more dark and shiny. That's what they do <laughs> on, uh, on Facebook or like Photoshop. So girls are cutting it down, guys are like it up. beautiful yeah. pompadour. That's weird. You know? And uh, everyone's like changing the background of their images. So everybody does um, changes. Mm-hmm. So they're saying 100% of people who do it alter their background. Hundred percent. That's terrible. Don't like who they are. So if you now when you go in deep into those stats mm-hmm. and you think about these stats of human, like this really portrays a really messed up human being compared to it's the nineties. Pretty crummy. Right? Yeah. right? Like you think about it, man. Like everyone wants a chance to edit their background. Everybody edits their background. Yeah, I think another
1: difference is now that look at it in retrospect, we were very, very sheltered in the nineties. And now there's so much information about everything. I think everybody's forced to explore themselves.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, when people explore themselves, they find things they don't like. That's crazy. Yeah. And right. behavior back then, too. You know, that's all—all all the stuff that's happening now to celebrities and everything. Mm-hmm. It all happened in the '90s, man. Because the, the '90s, 90s was right. was a bad time. Yeah. It was a really bad time. It's cool, dude. Good and bad. Good and bad. But we're gonna explore both the good and bad. On yes. This. Anything else uh, you want to bring up? No, that's great, man. It's a good start. It's good. Uh, you can check us out on uh, all social media. Mm-hmm. You can go with it's A L I T E I T. No apostrophe, yes. Nope. I made that <laughs> mistake. You're like Instagram reaches out and slaps you. We don't have no punctuation <laughs> here, son. All right, we go your ACDJ uh, Vancouver online as well. Yes. Uh, if you've got any questions, you got any comments for us, please, you know, you want to sponsor us that's always uh, fun you think our name sucks or you think we should dress a little bit differently <laughs> whatever you want you yeah. just <laughs> tell us we're good you want to get on the zoom you're from out of town we'll get you on the zoom it'll be interesting conversations about the 90s yeah.
1: and you can find us also through the High Faith Podcast Instagram Spotify YouTube wherever it is we'll make sure all the pages are connected so you don't have to look too far to find us alright so here we go
0: let's pick uh, our next year mm-hmm. alright you got a year in your heads? Okay, we'll say it at the same time, with the year that we're thinking, right? and then we'll go in the medium, and that'll be next week. So, okay, ready? One, two, three, 97. 97. 97. Oh, oh four, man. Three. Jesus. <laughs> we're two alike. We need individual podcasts. We can't even find a meal. Okay, all right. right, here we go. Ready? One more time. Ready? Mm-hmm. One, two, three, 92. 95. all right, so what was that? That would be 93. 93? Yeah, was that would 93. Yeah, done. Video. next week 1993 we're going to explore everything you guys behave yourselves I free podcast y'all peace uh, easy yeah oh, what was that? that was an hour that was 90 minutes on the dock are you serious yes wow. it was one minute 34 that's impressive right, one hour 34 minutes that is impressive